Oh, man, can you imagine if there was no Netflix during this pandemic? If we were still relying on the old model of getting our entertainment via, you know, the video stores like Blockbuster, well, it, it, would, it would have closed. It would have been an, a complete impossibility. You would have been playing Monopoly till the cows came home, or at least till we started to lift restrictions. As it turned out, it was uh, 2004 when people started to hear about a little thing called Netflix. Originally, Netflix started out as a company that was renting movies by mail. I remember first finding out about Netflix while I was commuting from where I live in the 905 into the city. And someone who lived farther out in the country had said to me, oh, yeah, we order our movies by mail and was talking about this thing called Netflix. Well, um, the battle was epic between Blockbuster and Netflix. But by 2010, Blockbuster had sealed their own fate. And that has been turned into a book, Netflix, the epic battle of America's for America's eyeballs. And then, funnily enough turned into a documentary that is streaming right now. And I believe it's kind of ironic because it is streaming on Amazon, but it is a documentary about how Netflix won that battle. Here to talk about uh, Netflix, the pandemic, how we're coping, Mark Randolph. He's Netflix co-founder and the first CEO. He's also author of um, a new book. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I mean, listen, me I'm like, ev- for a little bit. I am, I am like everyone else. I have been glued to Netflix since this pandemic started. One of the things that is really interesting that is punctuated in not only your book, uh, the book that I had mentioned and the documentary that's streaming now, how Netflix took on the world, I believe it's called. And one, um, is the fact that we are, we are, your company is focused on customers you decided to do something that Blockbuster hadn't done. They were relying on their model. Netflix looked at the customer base and said, what do they want? What do they need now? During this pandemic, I mean, you were offering us numerous titles, a lot of choice to binge anytime we wanted on demand from wherever we were, various screens and devices in various households. But how have you evolved during this pandemic? Have you changed at all? Well, the first thing, I can't speak specifically for the company since I don't work there anymore. But I can certainly look as both an observer and someone who understands the history of it since I was, you know, obviously had a front row seat to all of that. And, and you're correct. Netflix has always um, had the customer's interest first. And, you know, they often say when they're in a meeting that the empty seat is, by the, is occupied by the customer. And any time you get stuck, you turn to that and say, what would the customer want here? And it really is amazing just how they're in the right place at the right time now that people are largely uh, confined to home. And, and you're right. It's just an amazing thing to have so much content available to you. And not just Netflix, of course. I mean, what, what's so fascinating about the last few months is the explosion of all the companies acknowledging finally that Internet TV is the future. You know, of course, with Disney coming in, with Peacock and with Amazon and with Apple. Um, it's hard to imagine, as you put it out earlier, what this would be like if we were still all in long lines, six feet apart, trying to get into uh, video stores. But when, when you were working for Netflix back in the day, when things were starting out, the reality was you had a lot of titles to choose from, right? Now we've got all of these various streaming uh, platforms. Is the problem going to be titles as we move forward in, for the survival of Netflix? Because right now... I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, right now we've got a situation where, you know, Toronto was a bit of a hub for production for some of the content of Netflix and other streaming sources. And because of the pandemic, we're shut down. So uh, obviously new content isn't being made. Yes, it's true. It's, I'd say new content is in suspension. Uh, but you have to recognize that uh, the content that you're watching today wasn't produced, uh, you know, six weeks ago. These are things that have been in production for years or more than a year. And so largely when the pandemic hit um, in February, March, whatever date you want to pick, um, most of the content we're watching now is already complete. And there's still a tremendous amount of content which has been completed with the filming and is now in post-production. You know, fixing up the sound, the editing, and all those things can continue during the pandemic. I'm not saying there's not going to be some holes, but I don't think we're going to see those holes until sometime in early to mid to late 2021. Um, and, you know, I think there'll be some substitutions. You'll see a lot of things like uh, anime, animation, things that can happen without requiring clustering a lot of people onto a soundstage. And that doesn't help your local uh, production business. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think things are going to come back. This isn't a permanent hold. Um, hopefully it's a temporary one. Do you think this is going to change the way we maybe produce uh, shows? Because I, I never, that never dawned on me that we could still do remotely uh, as a voice actor. I could still voice something uh, that is going to be later animated. Um, this might actually change the way we produce content in the future because, you know, movies like Awaking Life and things like that, we've seen uh, have done very well. Well, it's certainly, in fact, you know, there's a concept of there's new and then there's new to you. And certainly one of the things that Netflix has been embracing most recently is trying to create content which is worldwide from the get-go. And, you know, take a, um, take a show like uh, Money Heist, um, which is the most popular uh, non-U.S. Um, show in the world. And it's filmed originally not in English, it's filmed originally in Spanish. And what Netflix has been doing is investing tremendous amounts of time and attention and and money into figuring out, is it possible to really overdub a a movie so that you can't tell? And one reason I'm bringing that up is, yes, Mm -hmm. we'll begin seeing new ways of producing content. You'll begin seeing things that were not originally filmed in English or in French, but were filmed in lots of world languages and are now coming to us in English and in French. Yeah, I kind of I, I have to say, based on what I've been watching on Netflix, and I was going to ask you this as, as, you know, one of the brains behind Netflix is the appetite for foreign film. Was that largely underestimated by places like Blockbuster? Because you have like one row of foreign films where Netflix kind of embraced the fact that, yeah, we're OK with reading subtitles. Well, it's true, but don't forget, Netflix is 22 years old. We celebrated our anniversary in April marking 22 years since the day a handful of us kind of started this little company in an old bank building with dirty carpets. And back then, no, we did not have a lot of international titles. We didn't have a lot of titles at all. I think on day one, we had less than 900 different movies because that was the sum total of all the movies available on, on DVD. So it's been a long evolution. You know, in fact, we didn't even enter Canadian market for quite a number of years until we'd really figured it out a bit in the United States. And we certainly didn't enter international until we embraced streaming, which didn't take place until, you know, 2007. So these things happen little by little, 
But of course, now, you know, one of the great things about Netflix, as you point out, is that it has such a big audience that even a niche can be a very, very, very big niche and is worth spending the resources on to create great, great content, which um, before never really got a chance to be seen. What did you discover about taking a big risk when you first began to start up and build Netflix? Because I think right now, this is an opportunity, and it seems odd to say, but during this pandemic to reinvent yourself and to take big risks as we start to see businesses changing. That's a great point. You know, I called the book That Will Never Work because that is what every single person told me when I pitched them that idea. You know, my potential employees, my investors, even my wife said that'll never work. And that lesson, which is that no one really knows, especially when you're in uncharted territory, as we are right now, no one really knows what's going to work and that the only way to figure out what's going to work is to try it. And certainly with Netflix, we did this thing, DVD rental by mail. That's ridiculous. But, you know, let's give it a shot. And amazingly enough, it works. And I'm, but, and listen, this is a terrible time. We're seeing businesses collapsing, people losing their jobs, people obviously sick and dying. But at the same time, it is creating opportunities because it's creating entirely new ways of doing things. And those are the conditions that entrepreneurs love. But Mark, you know, you had mentioned that how Netflix operated and still continue to do is in the boardroom. And I love this idea because I can physically like I can mentally see a boardroom with an empty chair. You leave an empty chair for the customer. And if you guys uh, reach a stalemate or you just can't decide what to do or where to go, you turn to the chair and, you know, what would the customer want? I mean, your wife and people that said Netflix will never work, they were the customer. They are presumably the customer now. So how do you have the faith and, um, I guess, fortitude to continue on when you're possibly looking at your customer and they're saying that'll never work? Well, it's, you know, it's one of the things that you gain experience with as an entrepreneur is you begin to realize that all those doubts you have, all that need to have validation, this need to really have proof that it's going to work before you start is totally misguided. And that the only way to figure it out, as I mentioned, is to take those first steps. So people do say that will never work because they're imagining it. In their head, they're going, I just don't see myself renting a movie by mail when I can walk to a blockbuster in two minutes. But they don't see all the things you actually are going to do, which is why at Netflix, we had to collide these ideas with customers as soon as we could. What made a difference was not what a customer said or what a customer told us they thought, but what a customer actually did, how they actually behaved when confronted with a coupon, for example, that said rent three free DVDs from Netflix, or as they actually behave when they confront a screen and say, which movie should I watch tonight? That's the behavior you're looking at when you're saying pay attention to what the customer wants. Because so is it a good entrepreneur... Is a good entrepreneur then a very good listener and a very good observer? Are those two key elements what you need in order to be successful? Absolutely. There's a huge element of being a good listener, of being patient, of paying attention to the data. You know, my co-founder, Reed Hastings, and I, and Reed, of course, is still the CEO of, of Netflix. We had this wonderful relationship where 
we could argue all day long about what we thought, but we ultimately had this incredible argument settler, which was how did the actual test come out? And so the arguments were not about what's going to work because both of us realized we couldn't figure that out. It was, if we test this, what data is going to tell us whether this is a good idea or a bad idea? And that's another big criteria of being a, uh, an entrepreneur. You've got to submerge your ego and say, fundamentally, the data is going to tell me whether my idea was a good one or a bad one, which allows well, big, anybody in the room to come up with a game changer. Sure, but big data is, it's, it's big business right now. And everybody's looking at the data and the data and they want to know, uh, you know, where it's going to lead them. But does the idea originate with the data or does the idea come first? It's like a chicken or an egg situation. I, I'm just curious on what you think. I mean, you're at the helm of, of what is now an incredibly successful um, company. It's even a noun. Well, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting concept because you, if, if you don't pay attention to how good the idea is, you're all over the place, just randomly shotgunning things out. So there is this intuition about which things should I test? The data is not going to tell you what to do. It's not going to uh, and say, here's the direction. What it's great at is telling you whether the direction you've guessed at is the right one or not. And so your hunch says, let's try this. And the great companies are the ones which encourage those moonshots, but with the caution of saying, let's put in place some measurements so we know, in fact, whether it works or not, and be able to stop it quickly. If it's not a good idea, back up and then try something else. Mark, you don't strike and, and me as somebody. You, you were going to add something on there, so. No, I was going to say, believe me, Netflix it act, acts like that. They are testing obsessively, um, trying everything possible, but quickly backing up if it doesn't work. Well, and they have suggestions for me. It's uh, based on what I've watched before, and that's why you don't want your husband using your account. It's like you got your own little smiley face. You use that guy. You're messing up my my data right now. You're messing up the algorithm. Um, you don't seem you don't strike me as a braggadocious person. Obviously, you can be. Uh, Netflix is one of the biggest uh, companies out there. It's a massive streamer. You know, you were with it at its inception. You were you took the big risk. Your new book is called the early, it's about the early years of Netflix. That'll never work. Um, who did you write it for? It's funny. You know, I wrote that book 16 years after I actually left the company. Um, but it takes um, time to gain perspective on what your role really was. And more importantly, to separate what was luck and what was skill. And I wrote this book because I kind of came to this realization that all of these tips and tricks and secrets that I'd learned over 40 years as an entrepreneur were not just the realm of software companies or even startups or even tech, but they were the same tips and tricks that anybody could use when they have an idea that they wanted to make real, and I wanted to share that. But I also wanted people to realize that Netflix did not spring forth overnight fully formed as a 180 million subscriber international company, that it started with a handful of people who had to bring their own furniture to the office because we had no money and who struggled for years and years and years. And I want them to see what that's really like, especially in a day when now entrepreneurship has become kind of glorified and everyone thinks it's all parties and pitching and Shark Tank. Yeah, and we've seen that this pandemic has really gotten in the way of some probably some really good ideas that are not going to be able to weather the storm uh, because just people are, 
you know, uh, the pandemic has caused a shutdown. Mark, it's been really a sincere pleasure talking to you. I'm so happy that you agreed to do this interview. Where can people get your book? So the book is called That Will Never Work, The Birth of Netflix and the Amazing Life of an Idea. It's available in bookstores all over the, uh, the world at this point, but also, of course, on the online sellers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and whoever your favorite online bookseller might be. Mark, thank you very much for joining me. I do appreciate your time, and stay safe. It's a pleasure. Thank you. You too.